I've got two different meanings, two basic avenues I'm going to travel on here. The first is the technical avenue of looking accurate. So your color, your you know, your contrast, all the different things that make it look real have integrity. So true to life through the lens means your image that you capture is affected as the light travels through the lens and is captured by your sensor. So how is it affected? Well, I, I, I call, I talk about this idea of a sensor and lens relationship in my book, Will Micro Four Thirds Survive? And it's really interesting because we, we know that lenses affect the image quality a lot. And we think about, often think about sharpness. People think about sharpness probably the most often for a lens, uh, except for focal length and all that. You know, how wide angle or how much telephoto, so that's focal length. But how do we, you know, when light goes through a lens and hits the sensor, that is where it happens. It's really what affects your image. So if you put a lens on there that is super contrasty, which means it sends the light through at a high intensity so your shadows are bright white and your blacks are very dark black, and that's how it sends the light through to the sensor, you better have a sensor that has a very good dynamic range, meaning it can capture that super bright highlight and then it can expose for that darker highlight. I'm sorry, the darker shadow. But most sensors can't do that. Most sensors can't do that. They're getting better, but most sensors can't. So what is interesting is that when a lot of these lenses were designed was when film was the medium that the light was going to hit. So these lenses, they kept pushing the envelope to be sharper. Well, sharper is always good, but most of the time. But they kept pushing the envelope to be more contrasty, to be higher saturation, color saturation. And they just got, especially Nikon lenses, when you get into the, you go from Nikon D series to ED, that's where it really jumped up in color saturation, from my experience. And the contrast did step up as well. Now, when you get to the G series, the newer lenses, I believe that the color saturation smoothed out but it's still really saturated. And, and also the contrast might have even gone up even a little bit more. So to me, that's not always a positive thing when using it with a digital camera. So why? Well, what do we do about it? This is, we're still in the first category of TTL, true to life, through the lens, and we're talking about technical. The second one I'm going to talk about is more philosophical, meaning what's the reason for accuracy? I mean, do you want to make it look true to life or do you want to make it look dreamy or do you want to make it look harsh shadows, bright highlights, overexposed? You know, we'll talk about that real quick. But still in the technical area of how does it affect the image quality when you have a lens that has lots of contrast and your sensor can't handle that? In the words of Clint Eastwood, I believe it was, you can't handle the truth. So when the contrast is not matched to the ability of the sensor, you have a problem, I believe. So then, what do you do? Well, you've probably all got some ideas just by bringing out the raw information here, but I'll just, just talk about what can you do. You, you, your choice of what you do could be dependent on what the effect is, but what can we do? Well, one thing you can do is you can go into the camera's uh, color profiles and you can reduce the contrast. A lot of people do this, even just out of habit. They'll go and they'll go negative five on the contrast, you know, all the way down. 
and they'll do that for the sharpness as well. They're basically telling the camera, I don't want you to do any enhancement. I want to get the image just as you got it. And that's where the logs formats, the you know, every brand has their own log format. Canon's got C-Log. and so, so the point is there's all different log formats for different camera makers, but the point is they're shooting flat if it's a log format. They're trying to shoot a very neutral image with no color saturation added, with no sharpness added, and with the contrast as little as possible. Now that image that you see when you look at a log, when you look at footage shot in log, it looks very gray and flat. It's not the type of image you would present to someone to for a final proof, right? That's not what you would do. And a few years, two or three years back, I noticed that the flat look was out there and people liked it. And I think it's because maybe we were on the other extreme. And this is a theory. But I think that initially, when digital cameras came out, especially Nikon, because Nikkor glass is so contrasty, and that's a good thing. But when Nikon sensors came out, in my experience, they could not handle that extreme contrast that their own lenses were providing. And so what you ended up having was a very touchy relationship between the lens and the sensor when Nikon cameras were out there. And they could really use the HDR technology that was not there yet. So with a sensor that didn't have a lot of dynamic range, you had certain companies like Fuji. They chose to do a hexagon-shaped sensor for... I believe the shadows, and then the highlights was the smaller sensor in between. So they had a honeycomb of two different types of sensors, one to capture the highlights and one to capture the shadows. And that was a great idea. It really, you, if you look at the FinePix S2, S2 Pro, really great approach to capturing a dynamic range. Now, for whatever reason, those didn't take the market share as, I mean, they did quite a bit for portrait photographers, but they didn't take as much of the market share as I thought they should have. But... That was because the dynamic range of a sensor was not that good. So we've got contrasty glass, and you notice that FinePick Fuji was Nikon mount to start with, right? I think that they eventually opened it up for both Canon and Nikon, but they started with just Nikon mount. And I think that was a great fit for Nikon glass because that's what they needed is more dynamic range. So high contrast is a bad thing, right, when you have a sensor that can't handle that. So what's another option? Classic Canon FD glass. Let's just talk about that. We know, or if you've tried Canon F FD glass, we know it's not as high contrast as Nikon. You know it's not even as high color, but the sharpness is there. So you've got what you need to kind of tone down the image. So I think that in certain situations using Canon FD glass, I know it's manual focus, and I know you're not going to get that autofocus uh, workflow that, that a lot of us use, but it's an option that allows you to, re say, increase the dynamic range of your images without shooting in log. Now, if you shoot in log, you'll even enhance that even more. But I believe choosing a lens that has lower contrast, and I'm not talking about an old lens that's, that's ugly, that produces not just lower contrast, but chromatic aberration, distortion, any of the negative things that we're not looking for, but just some lenses have lower contrast than others. And what I found is that Nikon, especially the newer ones, starting anything after D-series. D-series, I think, was pretty neutral. But then ED, and then after that, G, more contrast and more color saturation. As an example, my background is in using Panasonic cameras. So I was in the G 
and the GX series cameras. I've had a GX1, G3, G5, and then a G85. So think about that. All small sensors and, you know, different generations. So what, what can we say about that? Well, the, the generation that I really liked, and I would stick with it if it wasn't for the fact it didn't have in-body stabilization, and that was the Panasonic G5 matched with the Nikkor D series lenses. What a strange choice, right? The D series lenses were some of the close to the beginning of the autofocus era of Nikon lenses. But when I put them on the Panasonic G5, I could not believe how accurate or TTL, true to life, it was. It was like nothing's wrong. There's no need to correct the color. There's no need to correct the contrast. No need to boost the saturation. It was just perfect. And I tried this with the different lenses I tried on the Panasonic G5 with a straight adapter, no focal reducer or speed booster. I didn't have one of those at the time. I'd use the uh, Nikkor 24-85. That was my first, and I still have that lens. And in fact, that's my favorite lens still. But Nikkor 24-85, 2.8-4. to The next lens I tried was the, well, the 50-1.8, of course. Uh, the Nikkor 70 to 300 or 75 to 300, don't, don't remember, um, the variable aperture lens. It's the big one that has the tripod or monopod mount built onto the lens. Really big 70 to 300 lens. And then I tried uh, the 20 to 35, although that one very prone to flare, so I'm not going to say it's a perfect representation of the color accuracy I've got from the other, gotten from the other D-series lenses. But I like D-series lenses, and I've looked at videos of people who shot with uh, D-series lenses also for the, the 35 F2, super accurate color-wise, in my opinion. And then, same camera body, um, the G5, Panasonic G5, tried it with the, the Nikkor DX35 1.8. And I noticed, I thought, whoa, what's going on? The saturation is not realistic. It's too much color. And then the same thing with the Nikkor ED series, 70 to 300. Too much color saturation. And the contrast was getting a little bit out of hand as well. I thought, whoa, what happened? I thought I liked Nikkor lenses until I went to the ED in the G series. I thought they were going to be accurate. Well, little did I know they were pushing the envelope on color so that the film exposure would just be vibrant. Because back in the film days, there was no way to add saturation, right? There was no way to pop the color and make it better than your competitors because Photoshop was not being used. So they had to do it all optically. And I, it's quite an achievement that they were able to achieve unrealistically saturated color and, and greater contrast than, than, than is true to life. But some people like that look, and they achieved it. And wow, quite an achievement for Nikon. Enter the digital era, and here we are trying to find the lens and sensor combination that makes it look, at least what I try to do, makes it look true to life. And then if you want to mess it up after that and add a LUT or a look that takes it and makes it look all green, that's totally up to you. But I'm just saying, my goal for initial capture is accuracy. Integrity in the highlights, integrity in the shadows, good accurate color. Then if you want to saturate it more or desaturate it later, you've got a good starting place. So I know if you're shooting in log format, you may not have to do any of these tricks, but I've had to use the middle of the range cameras that didn't have log formats. So 
Uh, let's talk a little bit more about a couple of lens sensor combinations I observed. The Panasonic GX1, I found, pairs very nicely with the Nikkor DX35 1.8. It's kind of weird, right? The color looks neutral. The, the uh, contrast looks neutral. And the sharpness is excellent, of course, on that lens. So why with the GX1 does it look neutral color-wise and contrast-wise? And then on the G5, it's too much color and too much contrast to be true to life. Well, I believe that's because the GX1 had a sensor that was a little bit flat, a little bit low on the abilities for that sensor to capture color. So it just worked well. Good sensor and lens combination. Uh, the next thing, just a couple of anomalies here. I, the GH2 I've used a little bit, and wow, it looks really good with Nikkor AI or AIS lenses. Uh, move up to Nikkor D for whatever reason. It's just a little bit flat. And a little too, believe it or not, a little too sharp because it just it can't handle that with that GH2 if you're wanting to look true to, true to life. So the weird thing is I got an 80 to 200 Nikkor F4 AIS lens on a GH2 with a Viltrox 0.71 speed booster, which, by the way, helps reduce the contrast a little bit just to help it uh, be within the range of the sensor. And it looks really good. Those AIS lenses on that speed booster on the GH2 just looked great. Can't, can't say it any other way, but it just looks great. So what do we do now? Well, so what's going on now is I'm fighting with too much contrast on the GX85. And one of my methods I really like is using a focal reducer from Viltrox. You can control the quality of your image by bumping down the contrast a little bit optically. I'm not talking about taking a bunch of sharpness away. I'm just talking about spreading out that light a little bit more. So that's working really well. I still have to turn the contrast down a little bit to keep it in a certain range. And believe it or not, I like using zoom lenses with the GX85 as opposed to prime lenses because the prime lenses tend to be more contrasty and that difference between the prime lenses and the zoom lenses, the less contrast on the zoom lenses gives me the option to kind of fudge it a little bit. It's kind of a, a fake uh, contrast reduction method, but it still looks pretty good as far as sharpness is concerned. So those are just some takes on the technical side of controlling your contrast to make it more TTL. That is true to life, TTL, TTL, true to life through the lens. So now really quickly, just going to touch on the ethics of true to life. My other podcast on this channel, the first one I put up was a whole whole section about basically preserving the sense of realism in video and how to do that in the areas of lighting, cameras, and audio. And we're going to be going into more detail on those topics in the future, but I introduced the concept of why I thought it was important. And so if you want more information on that, which I call the philosophical side, this is, this is more about the technical side today, but the philosophical side, watch video number one in the podcast series um, about how to retain a sense of reality or how to preserve a sense of reality in video. That's it for today. And guys, thanks for listening. If you have any comments or ideas, remember this is a long form podcast. So any ideas you have are greatly welcome.